David, that's my fault. I owe my whole production of department an apology. Kara, sorry, I was supposed to make announcements during the offering time. I didn't do that either. So anyway, I have been out for a couple weeks. I always like to take a couple weeks off, and the reentry has been tough, okay? So I've already dropped the ball twice this morning. Hey, thank you for being here. Do me a favor. Get your, uh, get your uh, Bible out. Turn with me to James chapter 4, and uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Thank you, Pastor Andrew and Pastor Tito, for preaching at Yorktown the last couple weeks. Um, I, um, the rest of the month, I'm going to be in and out of Yorktown. I'm going to be preaching at some of other campuses. And so, of course, you're going to have great preaching here. Uh, but when I'm not here, you know, please know I'm not on sabbatical again. Uh, so I'm actually preaching at some of this. I use the summertime to preach at some of our other campuses as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. And thank you for supporting that. A uh, couple quick announcements while you're kind of getting your bulletin out. Get your app out. Take notes there. Uh, we've got our Honduran missions trip is leaving. Team is leaving on Saturday. We've got a great opportunity in Honduras. So be praying for that team as they go. Hopefully we'll get some update pictures on social media and stuff like that, but be in prayer for them. Also, we have, believe it or not, school is around the corner. All the students who don't come to the 8 o'clock service, right, they'll be in the next two services, like, oh, I can't believe that. But we, uh, we do an annual backpack drive, and so if you want to fill a backpack, it goes out to several of our missions opportunities, blessing uh, families that maybe uh, it's a financial struggle to fill a backpack for the school year. We want to make sure that our students in the community have what they need to do education. So, uh, so yeah, you can pick that up at the lobby on the way out, what needs to be in the backpack, and then return that, and that goes out through several of our missions agencies. And then, uh, if your small group is taking a break for the summer, and you want to continue to study the Word of God and grow in the Word of God, we have our spiritual formation classes going right now. Man, then we have a lot of great ones. You can go online, get the list of of those classes. Pick one of an area that you want to study and learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ. And man, I want to encourage you, these classes are fantastic. So go ahead and sign up for that. All right, do me a favor, take some notes, okay? Uh, The orange shirt this morning, all right, uh, is battery operated and uh, it gets dimmer as the day goes on. It does not represent Tab High School, all right, so I know some of you thought that. It doesn't represent Clemson, Mark and Maria, all right? Uh, I know you thought it was Clemson. A lot of y'all don't know this. Mark and Maria's daughter, Valerie, is like literally like the best softball player in the country, right? I know y'all aren't, wouldn't agree because you're humble, but she probably is, okay? Plays at Clemson, not Clemson, all right? It's not even really for the Baltimore Orioles, which is my favorite team, and it says Orioles on it, and um, for those of you who... Uh, follow baseball. The Baltimore Orioles um, had their first winning month in five years, okay? So it's been a long, long time, and so it's not even for that. Uh, It's actually, my wife and I, a couple weeks ago, uh, we got to hike uh, up Crabtree Falls, and just outside of Charlotte, and y'all ever hiked that trail, and it was fantastic except for the hiking, and uh, everything else was great, and the falls is great, and, and uh, as we were hiking up the trail, we came across, um, on the brown mud of the trail, we came across a salamander that had, was like this color, right, and it stuck out like a sore thumb, and we kind of approached, and usually they scurry off, but this one didn't scurry off, it was moving, but just not scurrying off, And I said to my wife, I said, I wonder if it thinks it's blending in with its surroundings. I wonder if it thinks it's brown, but indeed it was this color. 
Maybe it got up that morning and it chose the wrong color. Is that a possibility? You know, you ever wonder if a, like, a chameleon or something that changes colors chooses the wrong color? Like, ah, oh, I thought I was brown, you know, I thought I was blending in. And I was thinking about that as we look at the passage this morning. This morning's passage is about the world and how we as Christians walk in and through the world. And, and we've been talking about how James is really, in some ways, a mirror to our soul. And, and it's a reflection of, it's, a, it's really kind of the New Testament Proverbs with a list of things that they, this is what a Christian looks like and this is what a Christian doesn't look like. And it's really a reflection of our soul. And I think sometimes we think we are fooling God in our lives, right? We, we think we're blending in with the surroundings when indeed there will come a day where our soul will be laid bare and we are not faking it with God Almighty, right? We think we're blending in with the brown surroundings, but before God, it's really this color, right? We are sticking out like a sore thumb. And so this morning, the book of James gives us a picture of, of what the Bible calls the world. In fact, I always say the Christian life has three enemies, the world, the flesh, our sinful nature, and the devil himself. And so the world, and the scripture tells us we need to be in the world, but not of the world, right? And so... I really think that the central verse of these six verses this morning, James 4, 1 to 6, is actually verse 4. I think the whole passage kind of comes under the umbrella of verse 4. And so James 4, 4, James writes this. He says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Or you're, you're at odds, you're an enemy with the Lord. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I think what James is, is highlighting is this idea that you cannot serve two masters. Right? You, can't, you can't have your heart captured by God and something else. Jesus said that very thing in Matthew 6. Right? Your heart will lean to whatever you are in your heart is your dominant master, right? So I want to take a moment this morning. So if you have a physical Bible, right, keep your finger in James 4. I'm going to come back to James 4. And I want you to flip over. If you have an app, you can scroll there easily, right? Flip over to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. I love 1 John 2. John, the Apostle John takes a moment to give us really good handles on defining the world and the influences that it gives to our heart and mind that as Christians we need to be cautious and mindful that we are being attracted to things that don't last and are potentially sinful. And so 1 John 2 says this, the Apostle John says, do not love the world. He's not talking about people here, all right, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And that is it's a really powerful statement. For all that's in the world. Now, here's where John defines it for us. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Is not from the Father, but is from the world. 
And something really key about understanding this world that we live in. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now I want to just take a moment and park here in 1 John for just a minute before we come back to James. What is love for the world? What does it mean to have love for the world? All right. And so John says, first of all, it's the desires of the flesh. So it's the things in the world that we see and then we desire, and it's coupled together with our sin nature, the flesh, and this leads us to sin, right? This is disobedience to God's word and God's will and God's timing on things. Sometimes we can sin just because we get the timing wrong. God wants us to be patient and to wait, and we jump ahead. And, and so there is a piece here to uh, having a worldview as a Christian of what I like to call delayed gratification, right? That we are heavenly minded. We know that reward is coming. We know that future blessing is coming. It may or may not be in this life, but indeed God sees and God rewards. And so we have to be heavenly minded. And so it's the desires of the flesh, John says. He says it's the desires of the eyes, right? Men, especially, we know all about this, right? We, you have to make a covenant with your eyes when you're on the internet and protect your sinful nature. And, 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 and our eyes see, and man, we want newer and shinier and faster and younger, right? The eyes see it, the flesh wants it, and we've got to have it now. And in that, it stirs this 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 uh, desire to have immediately the things of the world, John says, which leads, let her see, to the pride of life, right? That there's an internal, uh, internal pride that wells up inside of us of our accomplishments and our name and our success. And, and, and man, I want others to know about me. And, and it's the pride of life. And this is what the world attracts us to. And and letter D, the focusing on the world is, is short-sighted, John says. Everything in the world that you see and that entices you and that you're exchanging your life for is passing away. All of it. Right? There's going to come a day that, that Jesus is going to return. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. But all the things of this world and all of its influences are passing away. Things like... For those of you who are married, right, and your marriage hits a troubled spot, and the world will tell you, you'll have people in the world that will tell you, man, you would be happier with another spouse. And you start to meditate on that thought, and you start to think about that. That's the influence of the world. The world tells you that if you're in love, then go ahead and be intimate physically in a relationship whenever you want to. Not around the biblical confines of marriage, but whenever you want to. The world will tell you that when you go home after a hard day's work, that everybody in that household needs to huddle up and meet your needs. Right? And you're driving home. Why ain't anybody meeting my needs? Right? There's a great book out there called His Needs, Her Needs. I love that book. My wife and I have read that. It's a great marriage book. And sometimes I say, honey, I want to sometimes want to change the title to My Needs, My Needs. Right? Like we come home and we think that's the needs that need to be met. The world will tell you that. The world will tell you not to be generous with your money. 
give your money away. Are you crazy? Like you've got to hoard it and you've got to keep it all to yourself. The world will tell you that more stuff will make you happy. And usually more stuff in this culture comes with more debt. I love the book of Proverbs. It reminds us that the debtor is the servant to the lender. Man, we have to be extremely cautious around how much debt that we have. The world will tell you that love is love so that you can have sex with whoever you want to have sex with. It's a biblical violation. The world will tell you that an unexpected pregnancy is an unnecessary burden. And they'll tell you that it's really not a life, so go ahead and end the life and they'll do it all in the framework of healthcare. That's what the world will tell you. The world will tell you that you've committed a sin and shame so bad that you can never be used again by God. That's a lie, right? God can redeem and restore and and use again. The world will tell you to take your eyes off God, and, 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 and when we take our eyes off of God and his word and his ways, John 2 tells us, man, we become a proud and self-centered person. The world influences the way we perceive the truth, and, and that's why, church, we need God, and we need God's word, and we need corporate worship, and we need small group ministries. All of these are influences on our thinking and, and on our worldview and on our mindset so that we are living a life that is pleasing to the Lord. I tell you, man, I... Um, I'm reading a terrific book right now on preaching and its weight, and one of the weights that I think I feel and the pastors of Coastal feel when we get up here and preach is like, we feel like the the culture we live in right now is post-Christian for sure, and it's just bombarding us with to think and see the world in a way that is non-Christian and anti-God, and I think sometimes we get up here and we take our 30 or 35 or maybe a little longer, 40 minutes, right, and like, man, and like, it's like, we've got 40 minutes to make a difference, and we, and so much of my passion when I preach is, it's like, I just want to encourage you, and I want you to get this, because you're going to walk out of these doors, and for the next six and a half days, you're going to get bombarded with a non-Christian worldview, and if you don't know what God says in his word, you're going to live a life that's heading to destruction. You're going to be leaning into one of the enemies of the Christian faith, which is the world, and it's going to lean into your flesh. And man, suddenly we think we're fooling God, and we're not. And I want you to know God's word, and I want you to adjust to his word and his will and his ways so you know the hope and the freedom that God alone in Christ gives you. Amen? Man, that's what I want for you. Okay, so the second thing, so kind of under this umbrella of the, uh, James 4, and now you kind of understand what John 2 says about the world. Now I want to kind of back up and I want to unpack James chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, all right? And so I think it's love for the world, which is point number two here, creates conflict with others. So James says this, when we love the world, love for the world, you're an adulterous people, he says in verse 4. Under that umbrella, James asks, what causes quarrels and fights among you. So point number two, man, when we love the world, it creates conflict with others. It's love for the world. John MacArthur wrote this. I, I love this quote. I don't know if I have it in your, in your, uh, on the slides, maybe not, but it says, verbal argument, private violence, and national conflict. 
the cause of them all can be traced back to the frustrated desire to want more than we have, to be envious of and covet what others have, whether it be their positions or their possessions. And when we want what everybody else has, we love the world and we want what the world has. And maybe for whatever reason we don't have all of it that's in our mind's eye. It very often stirs up inside of us quarrels. Quarrels on an individual level. <coughs> quarrels on a, on, a, on, a, on a corporate level and even quarrels on a national level. It all comes from this idea that we love the world. Number three, the third thing I want you to see is that love for the world then moves to creating an internal conflict, right? We don't have what the world offers, James chapter 4, and so it, it begins to create in us an, an internal conflict. James chapter 4, 1 to 3, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions, they're at war within you? You desire and you don't have, so you murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. And then James says, you don't have because you don't ask. And you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. First thing I want you to see here is the word passion. The word passion at its root word is the word that we get called hedonism. Right, hedonism is the idea. It's a worldview that it's really a, quite an American worldview now. It's very much adopted in our culture. It's the idea that you pursue your own personal pleasure at all costs. Right, you do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. That's hedonism. It's all about me and what I think I want and what I think I desire. This is definitely a prevailing worldview in America. What we fail to realize is that pursuing God and pursuing His will and pursuing His ways is ultimately what brings us our highest level of pleasure. It's Matthew 5 and the, the Beatitudes, right? Blessed is the man, right, who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, Blessed is the person who mourns. Blessed is the person. Happy. And the word blessed means happy is the person. But man, when our, when our eyes are towards the world and the things of the world, there's this internal wrestle and this conflict with our own sin nature and over our own and uprises our sinful passions. Man, I want, I want, I want. And James says, that letter B, that this, this leaves an unfulfilled desire, which leads towards murderous hatred. Now, I don't think that, Jim, this is where you kind of got to know James, right? James is the half-brother of Jesus. He heard all the teachings of Jesus. He certainly understood where Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that, you know, the, the seeds of murder or anger, right, or hatred. If you call your brother a fool, you've got the seeds of murder already in heart. I don't think James is saying that every time we're discontent that it leads towards murder. But I do think that he's saying that when we have an unfulfilled worldly desire and we're jealous and we're envious of what someone else has that we don't have it, there grows in our heart this, this murderous hatred, right? Verse 2 is this idea that, that you become angry when someone else has something. Listen, this is, this, is, this is a fuel in our culture right now. It's called privilege. You've got privilege. Listen, we're, we're all privileged at varying degrees, to be sure. I've, 
I've even heard stones thrown at, at privilege that, you know, if, if you have a mother and a father, then you have privilege. And I'm like, well, that's biblical privilege. There is a blessing to building your home and building your life on the cornerstones that God has called us to build our homes on. And by the way, the Bible says, Jesus very clearly taught, right, that some stewards of God get five talents, and some get three talents, and some get one talent. Not everybody in this room has the same level of talent, right? Uh, amen, right? I, I'm a, I, every day I come in the office, I realize I'm a one-talent guy surrounded by five-talent people, right? We're, like, I, we have, you guys have the most amazing staff at Coastal Church. It's incredible. And, and uh, the people of this church are amazing, amazing people that love the Lord and and I'm not responsible. If you're, by the way, if, if, if you're a five-talent person, you got more responsibility under God than I have. I just got one little talent. I just yell at people for an hour on Sunday and go home. That's it. Like, that's all I got. And you got your little talent. I got my, you got five, and that's a lot to be responsible for. I'm just responsible for what God called me to steward. Amen? And I don't have to worry about what everybody else has and what I do or, or what I don't have. And so much of our our division in the culture is because we're angry about what we don't have. Instead, what should be happening in the heart and life of a Christian is that the Holy Spirit should be stirring us to contentment, right? How many of you, and you don't have to show your hands, but like this is a very popular verse, how many of you would say, my favorite verse is that I can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, who gives me strength, right? There's a lot of people like, that's my favorite verse. And, and we usually apply that to things like athletics. Like, I, I'm going to be a professional athlete, right? Why? And I know I'm going to do it. How do you know you're going to do it? Because I can do all things. Listen, parents, your kids aren't going to be professional athletes, Except maybe the kegels. But everybody else, like, it's not going to happen, all right? It just doesn't happen that way. Like, it's such a rare thing for that to happen. Like, maybe. Like, my, I know my business is going to be a success. How? Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I know I'm going to get the bigger, better, nicer house. How do you know you're going to get it? Because I can do all things. Like, that is ripping that verse completely out of context. You know what Paul is saying, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength? He's saying that we can have contentment no matter the circumstances because we know that our God is sovereign and God will give us the strength to endure for his glory and get through no matter what we have. Check this out, Philippians 4.12. Paul writes this, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And what's the secret, Paul says? That I can do all things through him or through Christ who strengthens me. Paul says, I have learned how to be content no matter my circumstances. Circumstances do not dictate the contentment and rest that my heart has in Christ. James goes on to say, unfulfilled desires leads to selfish desires. James 4, 2, and 3 says this. Let her see. Selfish desires. You don't have because you don't ask. And you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. 
He says, your, the idea here is your desire for the things in the world are often reflected in our prayers or lack thereof, okay? So he says, you're desiring for things in the world, and therefore either, number one, you're not asking, meaning we don't pray, which means, I often say prayer is one of the things that shows how much you pray shows how much you really depend on God alone for all your, for all your things in life, right? Because it's a trust thing to pray. It's a faith thing to pray. It's the idea that God hears and God cares and God's going to take care of me. How much you pray is a great barometer of your faith level in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so James is saying, you're so captivated by the world, you, you don't even have time to pray. You're not taking the time to pray. You're, you're not even asking. Or when finally you do pray, James says, you're asking with the wrong motives, number two. You come in with, with worldly motives. You want God to bless you so that you alone can be blessed. And we forget the teaching of Jesus when the disciples said, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray, right? And what did Jesus say? When you pray, you need to say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a totally different prayer than gimme, 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 gimme. It's a totally different prayer than, God, if you could just get me through life safe, soft, easy, and comfortable, man, that would be fantastic. The prayers of the kingdom is, God, if you, however you want to use my life to radiate the gospel of Jesus Christ, you do it that way. Last night, we, uh, we had a funeral here for a man who died of cancer way too young, man, and this room was packed. I mean, it was packed. It, well, probably lots and lots of lost people, honestly, that he worked with. And, and we might look at that life and go, man, he died way too young. But I'm just going to tell you that he was, you, his life made as big of an impact for the glory of God and for the gospel to go forward than many of us le le have in a much fuller, longer life. And so when we pray, the, the goal is not, God, get me through life safe, soft, easy, and comfortable. But God, you know what? I'm asking you to use my life for your glory. If we're focused on the world, I'm going to tell you right now, you will not pray. <clears throat> or if you do pray, it will be for selfish motives. Love for the world, number four, James says, is reflected, number four, in hostility towards God and his word. And when our hearts are captivated by the world and its influences and its thinking and, and the stuff, it leads towards hostility towards God and his word. James 4, 4 and 5. You adulterous people, James says. I want you to hear that again, by the way. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not suppose it is to no purpose that the scriptures say he yearns jealousy, jealously over the spirit he has made to dwell in us? By the way, notice, notice the language here. Notice the language of the people Claiming to be Christians, but loving the world more than Christ. What's the language you use? He says, you're, you're an adulterer. You're, you're a cheater. 
And when you, when, when you live with one foot in Christianity and, and, and one foot in the world, and you, you think somehow you're a chameleon and God doesn't really see, you think you're blending in, but God sees the real colors of your soul. God yells out, cheater, adulterer. Revelation, speaking to the Apostle John, I'd rather that you would be hot or you would be cold. Please, don't go through your life with one foot in and one foot out. Either be in or be out. You want to pursue the things of the world? Pursue the things of the world. Just stop calling yourself a Christian. Or follow Christ wholeheartedly. Because our God, he, he, He's jealous for you. And it's not a, a sinful jealousy. It, it, God has no sin. It, it, it's, a, it's a passion for your best. It's a passion for our good. The reason God is jealous for you to walk in holiness and righteousness is because there's nothing greater or better that could be for your life than to follow God with all that you are. Man, when, you, when you're putting one foot in and one foot out, you're, just, you're selling yourself so short. You're selling so short what God has for you. He wants you to walk in holiness and righteousness. I really, I really like the way the New Living, verse 5, by the way, is a, is a really tough verse to translate, but I really like how the, the New Living Translation said this. In James chapter 4, verse 5, the NLT says it this way. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit that he's placed within us should be faithful to him. In other words, if you're a Christian, you have a deposit of the Holy Spirit, and when you continue to keep with a foot in the world, doing things the way you want to, doing things sinfully, you're taking the Holy Spirit with you. 1 Corinthians, Paul says it this way. 6 verse 18, he says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin that a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. By the way, I ran into plenty of Christians that leaned into this verse Asking for exemption from the vaccine, which is fine. Like, I don't, I don't have a huge issue. My body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to put in it what I want to put in it. But the context is, I wonder how many times we're asking for exemption from the vaccine, all the while we're living in sexual sin, because that's the context, right? Paul says, you're not your own. Verse 20, you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. In other words, the Christian, the spirit of the living God is inside of you. It's it's the sure deposit of your eternal security and hope of heaven. And it came at a high cost to God. How high? He sent his one and only son. He gave his very best gift. Jesus Christ. And Jesus... And no place to lay his head. Man, I, I, need, I need a bigger house. 
I need more stuff. We, we get so caught up in the world. I need, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want, I want. And our Savior was sent. And Jesus said, man, even the foxes have a place to lay down. I got nowhere to sleep tonight. Incredible sacrifice of God himself. Fully committed to the will of the Father, submitting to the will of the Father so that you and I might be saved from the penalty of our sin. The perfect Son of God, whipped and beaten and broken and bloodied. We're, we're to read the Gospels and the Passion Week of Christ, and we're to read about Christ being whipped and battered and beaten and nailed to a cross, and we're to look at that bloody gross sacrifice and go that is how much God hates my sin he hates it that much you were bought with a price and yes the resurrection of Christ authenticates his claims as being the son of God some of you are looking at the body broken bloodied beaten body of Christ and you say you know what I'm going to sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend anyway Spirit of God lives in me, whatever. I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want. I'm going to continue in a sexual relationship that displeases God. I'm going to continue to indulge my flesh with pornography. I'm going to continue to disobey my parents. I'm going to continue to, to use my money however I want. I'm going to continue to overwork. Man, I'm going to continue to be unloving towards my spouse. Women, I'm going to continue to disrespect my husband. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And the reason is, the truth be told, according to James, we love the world. We love trying to live with one foot in and one foot out. And I want to tell you, if you're here today and the Holy Spirit is convicting you, praise be to God because God is jealous for you. He says, I have so much more for you than settling for garbage. I want you to walk in holiness and righteousness because you've been bought with the price and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you unless indeed you're not a Christian at all. And so if you're being convicted this morning, like, man, there's some things that I am enjoying that are not of the Lord, and I need to change. If that's happening inside of you right now, then praise God you're a Christian, and you have an opportunity to change. And if you're some things, you're like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing it. I really don't, I don't even know what he's rattling on about, then maybe you first need to treasure Jesus above all. Which leads to the final point this morning, and this is really a simple conclusion this morning, really, really easy. It all comes down to heart posture, because we either live a life of pride or humility. We either live a life of pride or humility. James chapter 4, this is, by the way, Pastor Andrew's in the front row. He, this is one of his favorite verses. He brings this to my attention frequently when we're talking, you know, you know about coastal and things going on here. It says, but God gives more grace because James says, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. One of the things that, that Pastor Andrew and I talk about a lot, like if you feel like you're running into a brick wall over and over and over, maybe we need to pause and do a little heart check. Right? Because God opposes the proud. God is opposed to pride. Literally, the word opposed is the idea of, of a military being dressed and ready for battle. 
if God's opposed to the proud, it's like he, he is really opposed to the proud. It, it goes back to the very first temptation to sin to, to Eve, right? What, what, did, what did the tempter say to Eve about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He started with a question. Did God say, right? Pride is ultimately at its root. I am going to do it how I want to do it. God says this, but man, I, it's over here for me. And when, when, when pride raises up and we go, hey, God's word says this, but man, I'm going to head this way. God dresses in military might and he opposes the proud. That's pretty terrifying, isn't it? But if you want amazing grace, if you, if, if you want the grace of God, guess what he asks of us? He doesn't say, like, do a whole bunch of good works. He just says, humble yourself. And God opposes the proud. But man, does he lavish with grace those who are humble. And one of the things that, that hardship and difficulties has been teaching me this year is it reminds me how much I need to bow a knee and ask the Lord for his help. My God, I, the church can't go forward, the family, all the things that are on our hearts and minds, the economy, yada, 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 like post-Christian culture, all this stuff. Like, it's not, unless God builds the house, Psalm 127, we labor in vain, Right? It just reminds me to pray and how much I need the Lord. And so, how do, we, how do we live for the will of God? I want you to see this. I'm close right after this. All right, I don't really have a great story to close with. I just want to hold up the mirror and ask you, are you worshiping the Lord with your life? Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you. And by the way, worship team, you guys can come on out. So, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, right? In the Old Testament, we had all these sacrifices to remind us of our need for God and forgiveness of sin and all that. And now in the New Testament, we become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us. And now, Paul says, I want you to present your bodies, what you do, how you behave, how the Holy Spirit lives out through our bodies. I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does that look like? It's holy and acceptable to God, which is what? It's your spiritual worship. How your body acts this week is a spiritual act of worship. And then he goes on to say, and what does this look like? It looks like this. Do not be conformed to this world. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. But be transformed. How? By renewing your mind. That you, by, by testing, you may be able to discern what the will of God is, what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. And so here's what I want to do this, this morning. Here's how I want to end, all right? I don't have a slide for this. I just want to read this, all right? I want to read a passage of Scripture, and I want to ask you, are you daring enough to ask this of God on yourself. It's Psalm 139. In fact, Pastor Andrew, I think, almost quotes this every time he preaches. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. You ready? Are you bold enough this morning to quote Psalm 139 and say, you know what, God, I want you to search me. God, I want you to know me. I, I want to walk. I, I believe that you're good and you're holy and you're righteous. And, and I believe that if I walk in your ways, it's actually good for me. It's the, actually the best for me. So uh, here's the deal, God. I don't want to live with one foot in the world and one foot in walking with God. I, I want two feet firmly planted in Christ, walking in holiness and righteousness. And so here's what I want you to do this morning just bow your head and close your eyes and be daring. Say, God, search me. Search my heart, God. Ask this question, Lord. Lord, where do I need to adjust this morning? God, there's no hiding from you. We think we're blending in, but man, we're not. So, God, I want to ask you this morning, where do I need to adjust? Where do I need to get some accountability? How do I need to humble myself? Because as a follower of you, man, I, I, I above all else, I want your amazing grace. God is not chintzy with grace. So this morning, God, we, your people, we, we make the bold move of, man, search us, know us. See if there be any wicked way in us, God. Help us not live with one foot in the world and one foot doing it our own way. Help our hearts to be captured completely and holy by the gospel of Jesus to walk in holiness and righteousness for your name's sake oh God for your glory and for your praise help us this week to walk and worship that our bodies that our lives would live in such a way that we would be worshiping you it would be our spiritual worship as we walk in holiness and righteousness it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, listen, if you need prayer this morning, I invite the worship team up. Come on, I mean, the prayer team up and the worship team. Prayer team, come on up under the screens. If you need some prayer this morning, it's been a tough week, and you need somebody just to pray with you, man, our prayer team's here. We would love to pray with you. And uh, let's go out singing and worshiping the Lord. He's not chintzy with grace. And as we all try to adjust and live for the Lord this week, let's ask for God to give us his grace. Let's stand and sing and praise him together.